0: Welcome to The Stark Difference, a podcast where we delve into the journeys of leaders and pastors, exploring how God's calling changed and shaped their lives. Each month we sit down to hear unique stories from guests from all walks of life who live out God's purpose for their life and make a difference in their world. We'll discuss the challenges and joys of leadership and ministry, the doubts and realizations in the calling process and the ways in which God transforms us as we follow his leading. Whether you're a seasoned pastor, a person exploring leadership development, or simply interested in insight from those who have answered the call, you'll come to see the stark difference God makes when you say yes to his call. Welcome everyone to The Stark Difference. This is Rochelle Rocha Roots and I am your co-host for today's podcast along with Dr. Tony Salelli. Today we are very excited to introduce you to a friend of Dr. Salelli. Her name is Dr. Norma Hadeen and she is the provost of Dallas Baptist University and has been since 2018 a little bit of an educational background on Dr. Hadeen. She has her BA from Bryan College in Dayton, Tennessee. She has her MA in Religious Education from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary and her PhD in Foundations and Education as well from Southwestern. She has additionally an additional 10 years of postdoctoral education, so that is super impressive. Her uh, resume includes that she has taught as a professor at Southwestern and additionally taught at B.H. Carroll Theological Institute and has since, of course, come to Dallas Baptist University. She loves learning, as you can tell from her resume, but most importantly, she is married to Eric and has been for 43 years. Amazing. And they have two adult daughters and three, don't forget, they have three grandchildren. So welcome, Dr. Hadeen, to our podcast today.
1: Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. I really admire so much the work of Stark at College and Seminary and Dr. Tony Saleli. So I'm really pleased to be a guest today. So thanks for inviting me.
2: Hey, Rochelle, today is a very special day for me because not only is Dr. Hadeen sort of like a legend in Baptist education around the state of Texas and beyond, but she's also one of my professors. And so, you know, because of FERPA, we're not allowed to say what kind of, she can't say what kind of grade I got in her classes. Maybe there's one or two classes, but I am absolutely elated to have Dr. Hadeen as our guest today. And so I, I want to jump in and tell you a story. So those of you who are listening students, one of the things that we talk about here at Stark is that you just can't, you can't never give up. You got to keep pressing on. And so there was a story. It was sometime in the winter, either late 2011, or early 2012, where I was on the verge of quitting my PhD. I had done all the classes. I had taken the comprehensive exams and passed the first time. I had written the lion's share of my dissertation, but I was down to the final push, if you will. And I bumped into Dr. Hadeen at an academic conference and we were standing outside. It was kind of cold and I was a little bit shivering and I was complaining a little bit about all that I was having to go through and how complicated life was and how complicated the educational process was. And she just looked at me and she said, Tony, you can't quit. Don't quit. Dr. Hadeen, I didn't quit. Thank God. Thank God I did not quit. And that has been a mantra that we use at Stark. Ever since then, we tell our students, and Rochelle is teaching this semester, and she's even said before, I tell my students every class, don't quit. Don't quit. So, Way to go Dr. Hadeen. You have really impacted more people than what you'd even realize. Only heaven is going to tell you exactly how many. Look, you have a very prestigious title. This title of provost. <laughs> Where does that come from? What does it mean to the average listener?
1: The title itself originally came from like civil or military officials who were in charge of keeping order, you know, the people for whom they were responsible. But in in academic circles, it's the chief academic officer. So it's the person who's responsible for the academics of the institution. And so in for DBU, it, it means that I have responsibility and leadership for the academic enterprise. You know, So the, all of the colleges, we have eight colleges and schools. We have several other deans of global studies, online education, a responsibility for the academic support, which is the library, the registrar's office, the tutoring, writing center, advising center, and then also for accreditation and curriculum. But of course, I have lots of wonderful people who help me with all of those things.
0: Yes, that's amazing, Dr. Hedeen. And so we're so grateful that you're joining us here today. So, one thing that Dr. Salali didn't mention is that you were his professor, but he was also my professor. So, I am glad for FERPA today that we don't get to spill the beans on each other on how good of a student we were. But I did want to start out our podcast. You know, it is a subtitle, A Calling, a Conversation about Calling. And so that it is a conversation about calling. And we know that as believers in Christ, our first calling was when we came to know Christ. And so my question to you is, how did you come to know the Lord?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, as believers, we want to always celebrate what the Lord has done and have, have the opportunity to tell the story. And so thank you for giving me the opportunity to just share that I was a child. I, I grew up in East Tennessee. So I tell people I'm a hillbilly. I came from the hills of East Tennessee in a little tiny town. But my parents were sort of in and out of church, but they did not attend regularly. And so for the most part, they dropped us off at church. And so I heard about Jesus from my Sunday school teachers and from those faithful servants who taught week after week when I was a, a preschooler and a a child. So when I was nine years old, all of that took root in my heart. And I realized that I needed to make a response to Jesus's work that he had done on my behalf. And so I accepted Christ when I was nine years old. And, you know, sometimes people think that children don't listen to the pastor. But I remember the pastor's clear explanation of the gospel and invitation to accept it. And in my heart in that moment, I knew that I had to respond. So I walked the aisle and I went to the front of the church and I prayed. And so that was the beginning of a journey that it's just God's grace and goodness that he's allowed me to be, to follow him all my days. And I pray that I finish well. So that's my prayer.
2: Well, you're on a great trajectory. I think you're going to be safe. So if that was your first calling, I mean, you're calling to hear Christ through salvation when you're nine years old. How did that background, maybe it was at that church, maybe it was later on in life, how did that background inform your calling? I mean, why did you pick higher education? Was that your dream Mm -hmm. all along?
1: not really because i didn't know that much about higher education i was the first in i'm first generation college student so i was the first one in my family to go to college but god began to give me opportunities there was a lady in my church miss mildred and she encouraged me and said to me at some point along the way you know norma god has his hand on your life and he is going to do great things through you if you just obey him And I didn't really know what that meant at the time, but as she walked alongside me and encouraged me through the years, she encouraged me to learn more and to, at that point, I thought I was going to be a missionary or I thought I was going to be, that really was just about all you could do back then for women. But I had other opportunities to listen to the Lord and be exposed to opportunities And so it really, the beginning of that was in my church. But then when I was a child, I had the opportunity to go to camp. And interestingly, back then, there was a Bible lady who was allowed to come into public schools and teach the Bible. And so one of the challenges was to, if you memorized so many verses, so you had to memorize 600 verses to... Okay, wait, well, Did you say (laughs) 600 600. Verses hundred. Well, you know it was blocks of uh, scripture, but yes, yeah, oh my verses. goodness! Wow. And then
0: you, then okay.
1: you, you earned a free week at camp. And so, when I was in the sixth grade, I earned the week at camp, and that was another. It was a transformational experience for me. I've had a lot of those along the way, but I became exposed to intentional Bible teaching and ministry and opportunity to, to do Bible studies and to help. I worked in the kitchen a lot because that's what you do at camp, right? You work in the kitchen when you're in high school, but I later had the opportunity to work as a high school student as well. And there I uh, met people from Christian colleges. And so there were people from these Christian colleges. I'd never even knew there was such a thing as a Christian college. So that planted the seed for my calling as well. But I remember I'd worked for several summers after I went as a camper. I worked just in the kitchen, and so I would work all summer. At the end of that time, I had this experience with the Lord where I just, sent, I just thought, oh, I don't want to give this up. I want to serve the Lord, but I just don't know that I'm I don't know if I'm living the life that I need to live to serve the Lord, and I don't know what that looks like, and so it was the very last day of my last summer working at that camp, and I walked off, and I sat down on this bench, and I had my Bible with me, and I opened my Bible, and I read uh, Psalm 51, and so Psalm 51 of, of or says uh, Create in me a clean heart oh god and renew a right spirit within me and cast me not away from your presence restore to me the joy of my salvation and give me a willing spirit and i said okay lord i'm willing i, I want to have a willing spirit and then i flipped over to philippians 1 6 that just says being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a work in you will continue to perform it until the day of Christ Jesus. So that was really my call to ministry, that God was going to complete his work in me, and I just needed to be faithful to do what he called me to do, and I just needed to learn to say yes to God in that. Lots of other experiences after that, but that was the initial call that I had as a 15-year-old teenager.
0: Hey friends, we're going to take a brief break from this conversation to hear from our sponsor. We'll be back in just a moment.
2: The Stark Difference is brought to you by Stark College and Seminary. At Stark, we know that you're called to do something extraordinary for yourself, your church, and your community. Sometimes though, it's a challenge to know where to start, You may not know how to make the best use of the gifts God has given you, and that can make you feel anxious about your ability to serve. Our mission is to equip followers of Christ for service to the church and the community in a diverse setting that brings out the best in you to help God's kingdom grow. Visit us at stark.edu to apply or to preview a class. See how deep your faith can grow with a degree or certificate from Stark. Now, back to the show.
0: Thanks for a hearing from our sponsor. Let's get back to the conversation.
2: That's incredible. So you heard through scripture to be faithful, to mm-hmm. be obedient. It sounds a lot like don't quit, like be <laughs> no. persistent. Now, right. now I That's know right. where you got that. Okay. So you quoted two of the 600. We have uh, a little bit of time. Do you, have a, <laughs> do you have a couple of other scripture verses? I'm just teasing you. So Mildred, this lady in, in, in your church, uh, she was a sort of a catalyst behind believing in you and giving you some kind of confidence that you didn't have. I mean, you said that she told you that you have some great things ahead. How You said a little bit, but how pivotal of a moment was that for you, really, as a young person trying to discern, what do I do? What can I do? What am I allowed to do? I mean, it sounds like that was a pretty weighty conversation.
1: Mm Mm-hmm it was and it was not just one conversation it was a continual conversation and she would invite me to teach her senior adult ladies sunday school class so i could have an experience of teaching and i would go to her house and she would pray with me and pray with me about the things that were happening in my family i mean there were some tough things going on at home and so she encouraged me to just keep seeking the lord to keep reading scripture and I even have a book on my shelf she was the first one to give me a, a reference book so she gave me when I went to college she gave me a bible dictionary and she wrote in the front of it and that's the first book I'd ever received that was a reference book you know it was really serious and that was so encouraging to me. And even when I went to college, I went to a Christian college as a result of that call to ministry and studied Christian education. And every time I would go home, I would visit with her and she would encourage me. And so I always point, she's sort of my spiritual mother. She's the one who initiated that desire in me to know Christ more fully.
2: That is wonderful. I can't wait to meet her one day. Can't wait to meet her in one day and to just rejoice with her of all the spiritual dividends of her investment in you. That is really powerful, really powerful.
0: Yes, and I have to say that, you know, as an encouragement to our listeners, your parents weren't the ones that were taking you to church. They were maybe dropping you off, but not this consistency in parents. And so sometimes we do have children or young people in our churches that do not have Christian parents, but yet knowing that, taking that time and that energy to invest into them, to speak into them. We never know what the Lord will do with those words, what the Lord will do with that time and that energy. Because here you are, Dr. Hadeen, a product of what Mildred's love and compassion did in your life. And everything that you do, Mildred gets credit for that too. And I think that that's beautiful. A woman, especially encouraging another woman and especially a woman who felt called into higher education. And I'm sure there were some struggles and some challenges for you. How was that like for you? Some of those challenges that you maybe had to face and to overcome in higher education? Mm -hmm.
1: Well, like I said, I was a a first generation college student. So I really didn't know, didn't know the ropes, didn't know anything, but I really trusted the Lord. And I look back now and think, how did I do that? You know, it was just one of those things where I just said, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep going. And so there were challenges just because I didn't know I didn't know what the options were, but going to a Christian college and in a lot of ways coming back to DBU is a full circle for me because college was so transformed me to things I'd never thought about in terms of experiences, opportunities to the word, to even to vocational opportunities that I hadn't considered. And so I I was called to help the church. I really felt like God called me to go back to my church, to churches, and help them know how to disciple people more fully. So the things I learned at camp, I could learn in the church. So that was my initial call. And so I studied Christian education. But then my professor, again, another critical person in my life, gave me the opportunity to work with him a little bit. and to do some teaching. And he said to me at the end of my time in college, you know, you really should go to Southwestern and get your doctorate and come back here and teach. So he was a former, he had gotten his degree at Southwestern and Brian actually had an agreement with Southwestern to reduce some of the hours that were required. And I just said, okay, I I can do that. Just no idea what that meant. No idea what at all at all. But it was the right word spoken at the right time in terms of how God used that. And I never forgot it. I never forgot that word. And so the words that we speak into people's lives, uh, God uses those, even when we don't even know or remember saying those things.
2: What you've described is these significant leaders in your life, Mildred, maybe this women's Bible study class, there's some leaders that spoke into your life, and then this college professor, and there's probably any number of other people that we don't have time to get into. You know, there's a lot of discussion about leadership being, leaders being born or leaders being made. Dr. Hadeen, you're clearly a leader. Mm -hmm. Does it come natural to you?
1: Mm -hmm. No, not at all. I'm a reluctant leader. And going back, you know, to Rochelle's question, one of the challenges is just, my own tendency to be an I'm an introvert by nature and but i've learned'm've lear- learned I'm ambivert I think so I can be extroverted when I need to be so that's a, a challenge and I'm a reluctant leader and so it was because people gave me opportunities that I tried things that I would not have tried before and I think that's another thing we can do in the church is that giving young People, opportunities to teach and to use their gifts and to lead it, it allows them to see, oh, maybe I can do this. And so, being given opportunities and even pulled into things I didn't necessarily want to do, but those things, and and so that was a challenge because I didn't naturally want to do those things, but I was given the opportunity and agreed to say yes to those opportunities. So, it went back to my calling of of agreeing. I'm going to say, yes, Lord, whatever you want me to do, even if that means mopping the floors, if it means doing things that a man perhaps wouldn't do. So that was, you know, that's also a challenge, I think, in some higher education circles, but struggling because I I do need to recover after I've spent time with people all day.
0: So Dr. Hadeen, you said yes so many times throughout your journey with God, and I think that's important for our listeners to remember that in discerning God's call, it's not like God gives you that answer in neon light, right? You just, it's like one step at a time, one yes at a time in following God and making the most of every opportunity, right, as scripture tells us. So in saying all of these yeses, especially in your role as provost, you are an introvert and you obviously do meet with a lot of people, probably day in and day out. What are some of the no's? What are some of the boundaries that you how do you recover, as you said, replenish? And I think that's important for all of our listeners, whether they're a student or a minister or pastor and a leader in any format, how do you personally recover and replenish yourself?
1: Um, well I made a decision a long time ago. So it, sometimes it comes down to making a decision, a determination that I was going to spend time with God before I spend time with people. And so that means it's been a practice, it's been a discipline of mine to get up early every morning and spend time with the Lord and pray through my day and ask the Lord to go before me. And so that time, I, I, my husband and I laugh a lot because he gets up in the middle of the night to go work out. So he gets up at 4.30 in the morning to go to the Y. That's his practice his discipline. He needs that. So when he gets up and leaves, I get up and I have that time alone to spend in the word. And so I, that's my reflective time that I really need to just sit before the Lord, read scripture, listen to him, pray about the people I'm going to interact with that day. And so I heard someone say, a leader say several years ago, that it's really important to just to pull away at appropriate times and to take time that you need. And that means to do that each day. And and so and do it weekly, do it annually. And so I think that's really helped me to sort of think through what do I need to do each day to listen to the Lord? What do I need to do weekly, which inc- includes worship and uh, also some time to do reading and reflection on the weekends. And then annually, I try to get away for a retreat of some kind by myself to, to uh, refresh as well.
2: You talk about... Saying yes to God, and you've given us a little bit of an example of sort of how you provide some boundaries, some buffers to saying yes, because if we're not careful, we'll say yes to everything and we'll find ourselves just so far away from enjoying God, enjoying, enjoying God's presence. You know, one of our mutual friends describes her calling as like finding God's pleasure. And it's a vivid description that she uses. And I, I've often asked myself, how do I discover or find God's pleasure? Dr. Hadeen, how, how do you find God's pleasure in the midst of saying yes and creating the boundaries um, and the de- dealing with the demands of both work and family and church and grandkids? I mean, how do you find God's pleasure today in your ministry?
1: So I do something that that. People give me a hard time about here. And that is that every student worker that we hire in my division, I interview. And so I don't necessarily interview everyone, you know, in our staff, or I do full time faculty, but part time faculty, I really rely on the deans to do that. But I interview student workers because I want to hear the student stories and I want to know how God brought them to DBU. Because that's what keeps me going. So it's what brings me pleasure is being a part of God's work in bringing students to a transformational time in their lives. And to hear their stories is just, the, it brings me more pleasure than probably anything that I do. Because You hear the supernatural ways that God is calling students. And I know you hear this too from your students that it's supernatural. They're driving by and they see the chapel They're, You know, they had never heard of DBU. And then here's this, someone mentions it. And I'm sure you hear these same stories about how people come to Stark. And I feel a part of God's kingdom work. And that brings me pleasure.
2: It's beautiful. It's beautiful. We all find God's pleasure in different ways. And I think your story resonates with so many of us, particularly maybe those of us who are in the classroom and instructing the leaders of the church and leaders in the future. You clearly have been and remain a lifelong learner. What compels you to continue learning even after earning a doctorate? You know, our students, sometimes they come to us and they don't have any education and they think, well, let me just start with the one year certificate. And then they do that and they do a a second diploma or the next step, which is diploma. And then they walk through the bachelor's and they get to a point where they just say, you know what, I'm done. I'm out. I want to stop reading. What what do you say to that person who thinks that they have arrived because they have a bachelor's degree?
1: Well, we're all created differently. But I also think that God created us to learn. And we all learn differently. So I, my passion really is teaching and learning. So it's the what I studied in my doctoral work, teaching and learning, and learning styles and those kinds of things. But I really think that God created us to learn. And I just love seeing things, reading things from different perspectives, hearing things that challenge my thinking and my behavior even my attitudes and my behavior i really think that that's important and so i'm always even now i'm always and, and i know you you're this way too but you know i always have several different kinds of books going so you know i'll have a, s- a spiritual book going or a devotional kind of book i'm reading a praying life by paul miller just loving that and then i usually have a, a leadership book going. So I'm reading Decisive by Dan and Chip Heath. So I'm making decisions. And then I, I usually have a, like a higher education book going. So I, I'm reading, what is it called? It's here on my... <laughs> hear my thing. It's called, oh, academic leadership and the new normal. So obviously that's not the most exciting one, but we're going through that. I'm going through that with the deans. And recently I read one, it's called the sound of leadership and it relates music to leadership. Really interesting. And so I just find that it, it just gives you joy to learn because God's created us to learn. And I also want to be a model. I want to be a role model for the leaders around me too. I think that leaders are readers and I think the best leaders really are continue to read and grow and learn.
0: That's great. Well, Dr. Hadeen, you are such an inspiration to me personally. I've only gotten as far as my master's and I'm still getting some encouragement to pursue my doctorate, but that is something I'm definitely still keeping in prayer. But as we get ready to close our podcast today, what would be one takeaway that you could share with those who feel called to higher education? And maybe especially women who feel called to higher education that could encourage them in their journey.
1: Well, I think a couple things. One is that don't let anyone else tell you what you need to do. Listen to the Lord and say yes to him. And that doesn't necessarily mean saying yes to other people and what they think you should do. God is the one who does the calling. And he's the one who provides what you need and the experiences to prepare you for your calling and keep doing what you need to do. You don't always know what the end result is. Even when God calls you to do something like if he's called you to do your doctorate, you may not know the reason why, but you know that he's called you to prepare. So we're always called to prepare. And then enjoy the process. There's always something to be learned and gained through the process as much as the end result. So even if you don't change positions at the end of your degree, you have the joy of learning and the benefit from that. And there are always things to be learned through the process. Uh, And don't push so hard and try to get through it so fast that you don't learn the things that God wants you to learn along the way. And I really think that people who are, I don't know that everyone is called. I don't know if you have read Ruth Haley Barton's book on strengthening the soul of your leadership. It's one of the most powerful books that I've read, a female writer. So it's very inspirational for me. But she describes the issue of calling as the fatal question. You know, what is it that you have been placed on this planet to do that gives your life meaning? That's the fatal question, and so the fatal question for me was: Are you going to follow what God is leading you to do, or are you going to limit yourself by what other people are telling you you can and cannot do? And at the end of the day, I want to say, I want to hear God say, "Well done, <laughs> you know, my good and faithful servant." Not look back on my life and say, "Boy, I wish I'd done that degree. I wish I'd, you know." Taken on that responsibility. But all along the way, God has given me experiences. And I would encourage women leaders to learn from every experience, do things even when you're not, you don't love it. There are always things in the job you don't love, right, Tony? There's just things you don't, but you have to do them. <laughs> but there are so many things to be learned through those things. And so take advantage of the opportunities to experience and grow and learn.
2: Dr. Hadeen, thank you so very much for saying yes to God. But you know, you heard God initially through your pastor. You heard God it then through Mildred, you heard God through a professor and just thank you for saying yes and answering that fatal question as you as you put out there in front of us. So many of our students are trying to answer that same fatal question. They're not de- debating should I go to some Ivy League college? They're debating, do I need education despite the fact that I've got to go to work tomorrow and I've got to prepare a sermon for Sunday and my family needs me? And so oftentimes our students, they're trying to say yes to God, but they feel like they just don't have much rope left at mm-hmm. the end of their day. Mm-hmm. You have truly given us a good bit of inspiration. Mm-hmm. So thank you. Thank you so very no. much. You Thanks for a the dear, invitation. dear, friend.
1: Well, I've really appreciate the opportunity, and I appreciate the opportunity to share what the Lord has done. He's been good to me, and I um, love this life that He's given me, so I appreciate that.
2: Well, friends of Start, the Start Difference podcast, now you know when you hear your professor say, don't quit, you know who to attribute <laughs> to that initial the initial (laughs) phrase to me over 10 years ago, Dr. Norma Hadeen. We won't quit, Dr. Hadeen. And please, our friend, you stay strong as well. God bless
1: you. God bless you too. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks for joining us here on The Stark Difference. For more, follow or subscribe to this show on your favorite podcast player. And if the spirit moves you, leave us a review. We'd greatly appreciate it. If you're watching on YouTube, give us a thumbs up, subscribe, and ring the notification bell to get notifications for new episodes. The Stark Difference, a conversation about calling is a production of Stark College and Seminary in association with Westport Studios. Views and opinions expressed by participants of the show are those of the individuals and may not reflect the views of Stark College and Seminary or Westport Studios. Know someone who would make a great guest on the show or do you have a topic in mind you'd like to hear discussed? Drop us a line at podcasts at stark.edu. We're so glad you joined us today to hear this conversation about calling and hope it inspires you to grow in your own calling and faith journey. Till next time, may God keep making a stark difference in your life. Hasta luego!